Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny in your lives. For those that are new, I want to refer you to my website at ultimatemeaning.com. There, there's a flip book which you can read. Very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me to you. You'll discover a lot of print that's highlighted in red. Those are actually links to YouTube videos. They're very profound and amazing. From many fields of science and archaeology that expose the mastery of deception that the vast majority of people have been bought, been told and bought into. This is, of course, covering many aspects from particle physics and how it gives very strong evidence through its mathematical analysis of superior dimensions of existence, far superior. I've written a book on life after death titled Afterlife Incredible and Irrefutable. There it is right here. You can get it on Amazon. Afterlife, incredible, irrefutable. So there's even videos there on that topic. And it all confirms the reality of what I am sharing here, which is about an ultimate manifestation and perfection of love that is the very source of love which is the very source of all that exists and the reason for which all things exist and for which you were created. I am talking about a love that is very pure. It is so pure that it will not condone anything that is contrary to love. And when I say love, I would define it this way, which is very integrous and scientific. First of all, there is the love that is the feeling love, filio in the Greek. That is, and then I'm talking about the Greek in the Bible, of the New Testament. And there's the eros, which is sexual. But the most highest and purest form of love is in the Greek agape, agape love. This love is so pure that it always freely chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Obviously, any lesser choice as such would have a measure of corruption in it. This love will not condone the slightest that is contrary to love. It is the opposite of corruption. It is the destroyer of corruption. And corruption is the destroyer of all that is good, that has pleasure and fulfillment with purpose and meaning, that can ever enlarge in greater and greater and greater realms of creativity. I am here telling you about the one true eternal God who is love. A love so pure that as it were, 
God is a consuming fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love. Now that's the first aspect of this love, which is also symbolized in the negative symbol in creation, such as math and electricity and everything is held together or pulled apart and shaped by negative and positive. And the negative symbol represents an indestructible foundation. It also represents the cutting off of all corruption. Actually, if you look up the word truth in a dictionary, it basically is defined as that which is real or that which is reality. And you look up what the word reality is in various dictionaries, and it's basically that which is indestructible, immovable, absolute, unchangeable. The very source of reality is this love who is who God is. And I've just described the first aspect of it, represented in the negative symbol. And from that indestructible foundation, represented in the negative symbol, can spring forth creativity and creation without corruption. But of course, God has given us free will. We are beings that are the source of our own action. We're self-originating. Therefore, we are self-responsible, and it is only as such that we can have the capacity to love. But when you have the capacity to love, and you're not just a cause-and-effect machine robot that is just from the input of knowledge from an outside source, you also have the potential to make choices, obviously, that bounce against that ultimate reality and negative consequences, choices in rebellion against this love, this ultimate perfection of love. And so if you're cut off from the source of love, which is the source of all goodness and of life itself, what are you left with? The opposite, torment, such as known as hell. And in the other dimensions that people have died and experienced when they've gone to hell, they say the suffering is far worse than any possible suffering you can experience in this physical dimension. But so is heaven far greater in its pleasure, far, far greater. And of course, I don't have time to get into talking about all of these things. I kind of got off on this just now, but that's the way God is leading me to speak today. So this is an invitation to you. But I want to tell you about the other aspect of this love. Out of the negative symbol is formed the positive symbol or the symbol of the cross, which is the crossing out of that negative symbol, which is actually a very positive thing. Because, let's face it, here we are in a highly designed universe with great complexity and design. But the scientific law, the second law of thermodynamics, says that everything left on its own eventually falls apart to complete chaos. So that should have happened in the infinite past. But here we are, obviously, in a highly designed universe, 
indicating an ultimate source of reality, which is this love that I am sharing with you about, this one true God who is love. But his love is also so great that it is represented in the positive symbol, which represents that in this perfection it is so ultimate that it always was from the infinite past, even beyond time and other realms of dimensions, it always was in the being of God to have the capacity to become a perfect, atoning, substitutionary sacrifice for your sin against God. So that you could choose to repent and ask God to forgive you of all your sins and be reconciled back into oneness with God. This happened in the center of history through Jesus Christ, who plainly said that he is this ultimate reality because the word Yahweh, some people use the word Jehovah, it's not as accurate, accurate a word in the Hebrew, basically means the ultimate reality, the I am that I am, that is separate above and beyond creation. And Jesus Christ, God, yes, God, manifest in the flesh. Do you think God is not great, if, great enough to communicate with what he creates? Oh, he is. And yes, he did come in Jesus Christ. And he humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature, on the cross so that you could repent and be reconciled to God. Just take that in. That's how great God's love is for you. How can you reject that love, which is the very source of love and light? Who would want to reject that? But what causes people to want to reject that is that when you have your own free will, yes, there's the potential when you're created with the capacity to love to make choices that are contrary to the love of God that can cause you to take on a hell-contagious state of being that is worse than if you existed even, or worse than non-existence, because you take on a state of being that is destructive and contrary to pleasure, to ultimate fulfillment in life, which is in union with God, who is love. Everything in creation is created with male and female counterparts, which is a picture, a foreshadowing, an evidence of the ultimate purpose of all things, which is this union to have with God. Yes, the experience of loving one another is an experience that causes us and should cause us to be all the more aware of how great God's love is for us, that he would create us to enjoy what he has created as a gift to us, such as a wife or a husband. Yes, when you're created with free will, there's the potential for hell and for suffering, and that's why there's suffering. God is not the source of suffering. He is not the source of evil. He is the source of all that is good. And okay, some people, they're worried about whether you use he or she. Listen, God is beyond he and she. He has the male, the male aspect in God the Father. He has the female aspect in God the Holy Spirit, if you want to look at it that way. 
but I'm here to tell you the good news. That you can receive the very source of all goodness, of all beauty, of all life, of all pleasure, which is this ultimate perfection of love so great. You know that back in the Old Testament, there is the historical account in Genesis 18 of Abraham before the tent door in the heat of the day, and he sees three men standing before him. Obviously, they looked a lot more majestic than normal people. He bows before them and says, can I make a meal for you? And he goes and has his servants make a beautiful meal for these three angels. And while he's talking to them, and they're eating all of them, he addresses the leader as Yahweh, which is the most sacred name for the one true eternal God. Yes, God is able to create, to communicate with his creation. And I could share with you many other verses in the Old Testament. There is a prophecy in Zechariah, I believe it is 12, about the time when Christ returns how he will set his feet on the Mount of Olives with multitudes of saints from the heavens. And there will be an earthquake that will literally cause all the, the whole world, all the towers in the whole world, the skyscrapers to crumble. Except wherever God's people are, they will be protected. And the Mount of Olives splits in half, and of course they found the earthquake fault there. But in Zechariah 12, it says that Israel at that time will look on their Messiah, Jesus Christ. And it says right there in Zechariah, they will look on me. And it's referring to Yahweh when it says me there. They will look on me whom they have pierced. Yeah, God loves his people Israel very much. And the prophecy there tells what will happen, how two-thirds of them will be taken captive and tortured, but one-third will be put through the fire and they will be refined. This will happen yet in the future. And I'm sharing with you the good news of this love of God that you can receive. And those that are genuine, not counterfeit, Genuine Christians that I've written about in my book, like Dean Braxton, he was dead for almost two hours, and others, Dale Black, and so on. When they stood before Jesus Christ in heaven while they were dead, the love was so great that there's no way you can in this physical dimension describe the greatness and the intensity of God's love in Jesus Christ as he stood through Jesus Christ the love that was coming from Jesus Christ to them was so great that they knew that if God had, that if Jesus Christ or God had only created them and the whole universe he would have suffered for them on the cross humbled himself more than them on the cross suffered for them only them on the cross that his love was that great for them they felt like they were the apple of God's eye that nothing else that God loved them so much that they were the center of God's attention and no one else in the whole universe. Yet they knew that God loved others with the same intensity. I can't go on to describe those wonderful things that people have experienced, highly confirmed as dead by medical equipment and doctors in heaven. 
but I can assure you it's very real. So I'm here to share about this one true eternal God. So there's two aspects to the love of God, the negative and the positive aspect. Only this could be who God could be. Because only this love could be worthy to be entrusted with unlimited authority and life and power without using it in a corrupt way or being corrupted by it, thus indicative that he is the very source of love, of life, of beauty, of all that is good. And he created you for a purpose and to find your purpose in being reconciled to him by crying out unto him and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. If you cry from the depths of your heart unto God, he will hear your cry and he will forgive you for all your sins. And you can pray a sinner's prayer at ultimatemeaning.com. If you hit the contact link, I have prayers there with beautiful music that you can pray to come into that place of relationship with your Creator. It's good news. It's such good news. Now, I want to share with you that are those that have received the one true God in Jesus Christ. Only, there is no love greater than this love that I've described or that could exist that is greater than this love that I've described. Only this could be who the one true eternal God is. And I will mention this also. The other reason God is, could only be God or could only be almighty. He could only be almighty if he's in three personages. Why? Because he must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence which are beyond creation beyond time and space, in creation, and in omnipresence, filling all aspects and dimensions of creation and beyond creation with God the Father. So God the Father rules beyond creation, seeing the end from the beginning. God the Son rules in the creation realm, experiencing its limitations and communicating on a limited creature level to experience fellowship with what he has created. And God, the Holy Spirit, is an omnipresence attached to all things in God the Father and in God the Son. And I mean, I don't need to go on and describe them. And if God could not be in personage in the creation realm, he could not rule in it or over it. And if he could not be beyond that, he could also not rule in that realm beyond the creation or in omnipresence. So, yes, he's in personage in those three aspects. But it's only one God. I want to share with you now that have received Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior to the churches in the United States especially, which is the epicenter of so many things that are happening in the world and will be the influence of whatever happens in the United States is what will impact the whole world. And also here in Canada where I live, this is a message by the Spirit of God to the churches in this hour. And so what I do is I seek by the casting of lot before God to discover two chapters. Each day I meditate on them for only half an hour 
and then many times I immediately preach after or sometimes it's after a meal or whatever but I always give that message when I have the time this time it's only once this week there's been many other things I've been doing so I want to give the message of what God is saying by his spirit to the churches in this hour And so we will go into those two chapters, but I also seek to discover a song that will be appropriate. And so I have discovered a song out of the 144 songs that I have on my two websites, ultimatemeaning.com and loverealize.com, where I have my video messages as well. So I've chosen one of those songs. Usually it's by the casting of Lot. Uh, this time it was kind of by law, but I didn't. I saw one next to it that was better, so I'm just letting you know that. Okay, so we're gonna play that song. I will say that I'm very particular about songs, so the ones on my website can be used on your overhead projector if you can connect and watch YouTube through your overhead projector. And you can play those songs in your church service because I will say that most of the modern songs nowadays have very shallow meaning in the words and even the tunes seem to be somewhat monotonous. Yeah, there's some good modern songs, don't get me wrong. But there's so many that are not. And they don't have the meaning and the depth and the creativity. It is a thing that is lacking in the body of Christ. But let me get into sharing this song first, so we'll play this song. So here we go. This is the one for today. Coming up. Thank you. 
their fallen. Oh, how true this is. The Lord is nigh unto those that are a broken and a contrite heart. How little it is that we see in so many churches, even that are charismatic and Pentecostal these days, a brokenness and contrition and humility before God. Did not Christ say, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Poor in spirit is a place of recognizing our dependence on God, as it says in John 15, for without me ye can do nothing. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. And what is the secret of abiding in the vine? It is abiding in the genuine fear of God, even in the triunity of the one true God. It describes Jesus Christ the Messiah, I believe it is in Isaiah 33, could be 35, but I'm pretty sure it's 33. And it says there that the fear of the Lord is his treasure because it is this secret of abiding in God. So what is the genuine fear of God? Well, it's not just some intellectual assent of who God is. You could accept everything I've said today about who God is, but if it's merely an intellectual assent, that's not the genuine fear of God. The genuine fear of God is a choice from your heart to turn with your heart in awe of who God is and reciprocate the holiness of God, that is the integrity of his love that will not tolerate what is contrary to love, to reciprocate the purity of his love in all of its severity to deal with the corruption in your life. And you may be going through great suffering and wondering why God's allowing these things. But if you know him, you know he's the potter and you're to trust him even though he's putting you through trials. Because there is a time when he will bring you out the other end and you will be refined and purified from certain areas that he is dealing with in your life that are deceptive, that are corrupt. Yes, we receive Christ, but then there is the process of being conformed to his image, of gradually growing so that that seed of life in us swallows up all the corruption. As we learn to trust him through all the contradictions and trials of life, he takes those things that are such great contradictions in our life and in his creativity can bring forth a vessel of great beauty and honor for his glory and his praise. And he's calling us as his people in this hour to enter into that kind of abiding relationship where we first reciprocate his holiness and acknowledge that without him, we're less than nothing. We deserve a place not of just non-existence, but of hell apart from his mercy. You cannot know the mercy of God until you've accepted his holiness and acknowledged your need out of reciprocating his holiness, that you need his mercy, that you need his forgiveness. It says in the word of God, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And that is the secret 
even in the triunity of God. Now, of course, the angels fear God and they haven't sinned, the ones that haven't fallen, I'm talking about. Christ fears God and he has not sinned. So the fear of God is not an awareness that you're a sinner. It's an awareness that he is your source and that he is your ultimate meaning and purpose and that he is the one that created you and that without him, you would not have existed and had meaning and purpose and pleasure. And so there is this awe of recognition and thankfulness. It is a state of thankfulness and reciprocation that it is the purity of his love that caused you to come forth and exist and that only by that purity of his love do you have being that is fulfilling as you are receptive to this pure, holy love that ensures goodness without corruption that can go on forever, not only in your life, but in heaven with the multitudes of creations that you will enjoy, that God will give you to enjoy millions of angels of many varieties. As they have described in heaven, only one quarter of the angels look like human beings. You know, some are a mixture of many different appearances. And there are many myriads of other animals and creations to enjoy in heaven in fellowship with your creator and you and they are all worshiping God in heaven even the plants you can communicate with the plants in heaven they talk to you telepathically the trees in a very real clear way most of the communication is telepathic and extremely instant with being able to absorb whole dictionaries in a few seconds actually even faster than that Oh, your intelligence is way greater in that dimension by myriads of times, multitudes of times. And you're in this relationship with God. You have a great destiny. You can have this wonderful destiny with God through learning the secret of abiding in him out of the fear of God. I'm not even getting to the message. doesn't matter whatever God wants to say. This is a message that he wants to the body of Christ in these last days, that, that we would turn back to the genuine fear of God. There are false teachers that are leading his people astray to love the world. They're leading his people astray so that they lose the genuine fear of God. I've been in meetings where they belittle people that cry. There's a place for joy, there's a place for tears, and the world can see through hype and phoniness if you just got a joy, 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 joy all the time. If you think that's going to win people to Christ, if you're not real, it won't, and you're not real if you don't have all aspects of what God created you to experience. And he certainly emphasizes much the importance of brokenness, of humility, of tears before him. You're free to cry. You're free to pour out your burdens. It says, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. And yes, out of that humility comes joy unspeakable and full of glory and great liberty. Otherwise, it will tend towards the counterfeit. 
God is calling the body of Christ in this hour to wake up. I'm going to share with you some of the chapters I've received this week to give you an understanding of what God is saying by his spirit to the body of Christ in this hour. Yesterday I received Ezra 10 and Proverbs 15, and I wanted more insight, so I also received Genesis 13. And the common theme in these two chapters is receiving of reproof and the fruit of genuine repentance that brings separation. God, overall this week, has also been emphasizing that. I will point this out. Just a brief skim of things here. On Monday, the message was, Israel is compromised and made powerless against an enemy by beautiful women in those two chapters. I don't know what it is now, and I don't have time to. Sometimes, you know, because it's just for my personal life, I don't always get by the casting of a lot of common themes. But I do when I do my messages, certainly during the week. So here, Thursday, Genesis 41 and Jeremiah 50. These two chapters have the common theme of God judging the world system that is proud and defiant against God and his laws and the calling of God's remnant out of this world system that is about to be judged. The world system is about to be judged by God in the very near future. That calling out will result in God's provision for his people. Because when you leave the world system, which has been providing for you, there has to be an alternative, and God's the one that will provide. In both chapters, there is a humbling of the world system and the exaltation of the remnant for God's purpose to be revealed by the persecution of this system to bring God's people to conversion and humility in the fear of God. Now, that's not totally written out clear. It's kind of badly worded because I just did it through the microphone. And then it, I also did receive the day before, though I didn't put it down in the notes, Revelations 12, which was confirmatory. And that's about coming out of the world system as well. So God is saying by his spirit to the churches, you need to prepare yourself to come out of the world system. And he wants to bring the body of Christ into a new order in order to come out of that world system because the system that is presently in the typical charismatic, Pentecostal, evangelical church is in conformity to the world system and not what he wants in the body of Christ in this hour. I've written a book on it. It's titled God, Headship, and Body Invasion. I'll try to pull the book out here. I've got all these books now. <laughs> there is a different cover on this one. And on Amazon, it's got a bigger picture, and this isn't the greatest one like my other book on the afterlife as far as the cover. But it's titled God, Headship, and Body Invasion. And it's on everything that you can do in your local assembly to not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly in these last days. We're living in a very urgent time. Anyone that's watching the real news that isn't lying to you and backs their stuff up with the sources instead of saying, 
Oh, trust the science. And then when you look, they will never show you the science because they don't have any. But those that are trustworthy news sources. You know what's going on. You know how critical it is. The insanity that is taking place to destroy the family units, which is what communism always seeks to do, by the way, is destroy the family. Set the young people against the parents. Cause immorality. They are haters of God. They're an antichrist system. God is calling his people into a new order. I've mentioned it in the book, God, Headship, and Body Invasion. Get it on Amazon. This new order. For example, when you start your church service, why do you always start with singing and with someone up at the front on the stage? Why don't you, instead of having so few people come to your prayer meeting, make your church service a prayer meeting? And get in awe before God in whose presence you are so that you become more conscious of Christ in your midst than the church service and the program at the front. Why are you doing that? His house is to be a house of prayer and you're to facilitate that. And out of that great humility and reverence and awe, People are praying to themselves quietly for a while and then one prays out and everyone stands with them in agreement. Another prays out as they sense the Lord moving them to pray out of a pure heart. And then out of that, there can be singing that starts. Maybe one sings out a song here and another there and then maybe that they do have people at the front or whatever beginning to sing worship songs under the leading of the Spirit with people not because they are talented up there, but because they're sensitive in worship to the Spirit. That's the top priority. And you facilitate each member of the body functioning and none of this business where you got to have permission to use the mic before God speaks through you. If you sense the Spirit rising up in you, you might be fearful to speak it, but the leadership should encourage you to do it. And when you do whether it's a song you're to sing out and you don't know, you just have a seed thought and you're to sing out a song, you sing it out. Or it's a word of encouragement or exhortation or a word of knowledge or a prophetic word. Whatever gift of the Spirit moves through you, a word of wisdom, it should be facilitated to each member of the body that is so used to being passive. Does this. Totally lacking. That's allowing the fullness of the headship of Christ, the things I'm sharing you, with you here to happen in the church. <clears throat> so many churches, they have a short hour and a half church service Sunday morning and then another one in the evening and everyone has to run thither and thither for two services and wear themselves out. Why don't you just have a nice long service that starts at two in the afternoon and goes for four hours where you can really break through as a congregation these are some of the things I suggest. God wants his house to be filled with his glory in these last days. And he wants us to know great contrition and humility and reverence and, 
and worship that comes out of the fear of God, as is going to happen in the last days, as described in Revelations 14, where the first angel that comes on the scene, which is mentioning the chronological order of things, and it says, I saw an angel come down, and he cried out mightily with a loud voice. I'm not saying the exact way it says it saying, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him that made heaven and earth. And it goes on. Out of the genuine fear of God comes worship that is pure, and in that there is great power. What's the next angel? It's crying out after that angel. Babylon, Babylon has fallen, that great city. It's describing the coming. It's describing Babylon. And then what happens after the destruction of Babylon? The Antichrist system. And then the Antichrist system is destroyed as it just shows it in the last part of Revelations 14. And there's two harvests in the last half of Revelation 14. The first is the harvest of multitudes of souls. And the last is a harvest of judgment where the blood comes up to the horse's bridle. And we're living in the time when God's wanting us to come into this new order so that when people are converted as they are now becoming very ripe, as they're disillusioned, when they see the insanity and the corruption in high places and in governments around the world seeking to oppress people and control them and destroy their lives. They are waking up. And so it says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. And it is. God is calling you as your local assembly to cast off the shell of denominationalism. Oh, I'm amazed at how many shells there are. It seems any church you go to, they have their own shell. It is time to repent of a denominative mindset. That we do things this way here. We don't like people that cry in our church. We just want lots of joy because we think that's what's going to win people to Christ. Oh, you go to another church and it's something else. All these shells we need to repent of. It is time to make allow God to make the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth. To bring down the val bring up the valleys and bring down the mountains that no flesh glories in his presence, that Christ becomes supreme in the gatherings of the meetings. It doesn't mean there isn't a place for the pastor to preach and the apostles, but that happens after the worship, after the body functions and moves in the gifts of the Spirit. And I am mentioning this, that if you want to see your nation conquered for the glory of God in your town and city, and across all, almost all the major towns and cities across your nation in the United States and in Canada and around the world, there needs to be three days of fasting and prayer where you cry mightily unto God and repent of worshiping the things that have made your heart insular and hardened against knowing intimacy with God and tenderness and and being that soft soil that the rain can fall into of his spirit. 
the gods of amusement. Pastors getting up talking about the sports game. Oh, you think that's fine to you? No, it isn't. The things that are highly esteemed among men are an abomination in the sight of God. There are so many people that are stumbled when they see the leadership talking about these things and doing these things, not that in itself it is wrong. If God leads you to relax a bit and you get relaxation out of a game, fine. But what happens to too many is it's like alcohol. So many people get drunk and they spend hours in these things. They don't have a life of prayer. They're stumbled because the leadership condones it. It is a thing that needs to be repented of in North America, in the United States, in Canada, and many parts of the world. Spending hours, not redeeming the time because the days are evil. There are things that are so much more fulfilling and creative. That stuff is shallow. It is boring when you come into a deep and an intimate relationship with God. You don't care to see those things. It's self-surfacy, shallow, compared to a subjective experience of the river of life flowing in your inner being and communion with God and the uniqueness he's, he's given you to do something that is creative for his kingdom that will further it. That's far more fulfilling. And it's redeeming the time. So God is calling the churches across the United States and Canada to organize and to get together and to fast and pray. And if you can do a Hester fast, sometimes I've done a few of them in my life. Strangely, I felt better doing them than I did when I had three-day fast where I drank water, only water, when I had nothing. I don't know why. Yeah, I was a bit thirsty. I felt dry. My mouth, I was feeling high. I don't know. Maybe that's just because I'm in really good health. I'm now really up there in year 73, actually, still. Wow, you know. But we need to seek God and set aside some time across the nation of the United States and Canada to do this around the world. You know, it's great that you fast and prayed for Israel. That's good. I, I'm all for that. But it's far more important and urgent when you see all that's happening in your nation to have these three days of fasting and prayer and change your ways and truly repent so that you never go back to being the church the way you were. But you come into this new order that will not limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting your local assembly. From Christ being able to fully dwell within the living stones as an habitation of God through his spirit. That is what God is wanting. This is what will conquer your nation and overthrow the corruption God will come on the scene and he will bring deliverance. He will minimize the judgment that is coming upon the earth. And multitudes will come into the kingdom of God. No, I haven't got into preaching a lot. And I don't think God wanted me to this time. He wanted me to just speak generally about what God is saying. And yes, on Friday yesterday was what I was would be the two chapters I would make the theme for today. And the common theme in these two chapters is receiving the reproof and the fruit of genuine repentance that brings separation. 
And this is about how they ended up marrying strange women that did not know God and had to repent and then get rid of their wives and the strange children. God was calling them to deep repentance. So listen to what he says here. Now when Ezra had prayed, and when he had confessed, weeping, and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children. For the people wept very sore. You see, they were really sorry for their sin. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God, and we have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives, and such as are born of them according to the counsel of my Lord and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God. How many of us tremble at the commandments and the word of God in this hour? I, I don't even know how to do that. I pray I can get to a place where I have such a fear of God that I tremble at the awesomeness of his holy word. And let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also will be with thee. Be of good courage. So we need to be strong, to be of good courage, and to do it. Then arose Ezra and made the chief priests and the Levites and all Israel to swear that they should do according to this word. And so they did. And I haven't time to read much more. The other thing I got by the casting of Lot, I think I did say plus Genesis. Yeah, I got that. And I got Proverbs 15. And of course, this has got a lot in it about repentance, receiving reproof. And the theme verse I show down there is 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. And in the genuine fear of God, there is always the birthing of humility as you're in awe of whose presence you're in. Abraham said in one of his prayers in Genesis, I am but dust and ashes before thee. When we're in awe of whose presence we're in, it drives us to the place of humility, which drives us to the place of honesty and transparency to receive any reproof that God would have, to expose any deception that we do not see. And the honesty also drives us to the place of humility, out of the genuine fear of God, of perceiving that God is good in the severity of his holiness, of the integrity of his love. And then it is out of humility we receive his mercy, his grace, his love, his restoration, his fellowship, his favor. So Genesis is about Lot choosing Sodom and Gomorrah and Abraham choosing what seemed to be 
not as attractive by any means. A separation had to come between Lot and Abraham because Abraham's heart was for God, but Lot's heart was more in the things of this world. And God is calling his church into a separation in this time to be caught up more for the things of his kingdom and not the things of this world. It can draw us into the deception that Lot fell into, where he was almost destroyed with the rest of those, except for the mercy of God. But his wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. And it is interesting that one person, when he was in the process of transitioning from this world into heaven, at one point he looked back at this darkness that was trying to grasp at him. And he thought immediately about Lot's wife and looking back, and he realized that if he kept looking at that darkness, it would have drawn him in and he would have never made it in. We are called to look in this hour on the kingdom of God and the glory of God and not to get our fixation on all the terrible things that are happening in the world so that it eclipses our relationship with him. He is calling us into a first love relationship with him. Are we willing to go all the way pay the price. It is worth it all. I do not want to share more because I think I've been preaching for a pretty long time. And so that is all I will share today on. God is calling us to become community in a powerful way. And of course, my book goes into becoming community, having things to help the poor in our midst and others that everyone is ministered to and brought into this unity like the early church. So, God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this message. I appreciate your support. You can support me financially on Love Realize, but I'm not a nonprofit. I do want money right now to get something maybe going Unless God decides to break through in a church or something, I, I want to start holding meetings. If God leads that way, he will confirm it. God is able to provide. And I, I, am not, I am now in a stable situation financially after a long time of having some great concern. But I still want to be in a place where I can use resources to begin to establish God's house of prayer and holiness. So thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.